welcome back to the return of your favorite podcast, favorite podcast, the QB Spotlight Podcast. As always, uh, Eric Henry, FIU beat writer, co-managing editor, Underdog Dynasty, joined by the man, the myth, the legend, the guru, the uh, QB excellence himself, Stephen Hamner. Steve, uh, what's going on, my man? Eric, what's up, dude? Go, going off your uh, your your most uh, humble and, and modest uh, intro. You said it is it is their favorite podcast. Now, is this your favorite podcast to host? Now, <laughs> it's several. Let, let's turn it back to, and put put the ball back in the court. Let's see if the money's where your mouth is. <laughs> so, hopefully, you guys uh, for our new listeners, thank you for finding us. Really appreciate it as we're growing. And Steve will shout out the places you can find the podcast. But for our regular listeners, you will get this joke. Uh, I don't like this Steve becoming a journalist thing where he's asking good questions. I, I don't like this. I don't like this at all. This oh, is, no. This is a because <laughs> that that's a great question. Um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, and plead the fifth and okay. say that all of the, uh, or actually, you know, I'm not pleading the fifth. I'll, I'll answer it this way. Okay. Uh, all of the podcasts that allow me, that provide me the platform to uh, mm. do this. Mm. They mm. are all my favorite. It's like, Steve, you know this. You, I'll put it back in your court. Okay, okay. We have a, a budding, growing family. We're not stopping at just one. We know that. Um, and it'd be like trying to ask you, trying to choose between your favorite kid, right? Like that, that, that's what it's like. That's what it's like. Are you comparing? Are you comparing your podcast to my kids? <laughs> I, I, I am comparing. No, I'm comparing my podcast hosting duties to your kids. Oh well. For, for those of you, for those, and once again, you should be following us on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at Eric C Henry underscore. You can find Steve on Twitter at Stephen Hamner H A M N E R. Um, the reason I mention that is because if you're following us on our respective Twitters, you'll know that we both live in slightly different lives. So, what is the equivalent in my life to yours is my podcast hosting duties is the equivalent to your children. Wow, no, our that, child right now, the growing family, growing family. We, that we, we, is know, a, we, we know that. Yeah, that that is impressive, Eric. I know this. Uh, very politically correct of you. You you must have taken some good notes with. I don't even know if they had debates or whatnot, but you must have taken some good notes and answer. Correct. It's called the masters in communication, sir. You, you will learn to talk your way around things pretty quickly. Uh, it's like when when people accuse me of being either a, a FIU fan or a not or a, uh, a hating on their favorite team. I am neither, and you learn how to talk around those things. But uh, before we get too far off track, Steve, we are taping on Tuesday, February 2nd. It is one day before signing day. And also the news of the day, for those of you listening to this podcast, know we try to open up a little bit of light before we get into everything. The potential return of NCAA football. I'm assuming you saw that, correct? I, I did see that, yeah. And I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, but I'm not a big video game guy. So I Aww. think people, but I mean, I haven't played a video game since seventh grade, maybe. So uh, I have no fun. I have no fun, uh, you know, topics to talk about that. However, if you challenge me one on one, I would still beat you. So I'll put it at that. Here's the thing, Steve. Like you, I'm not a giant gamer. I mean, I'm not like I was, you know prime middle school you know early high school years right right but i feel like there are two games for guys like us and and you know you're my boy so i would feel like two yeah. games that would resonate with you are yeah. madden and ncaa football you know yeah. i mean everyone had their ncaa football and you created that dynasty and yeah. you brought them up you know um but <laughs> this is this is the question i was going to ask you okay. uh, and we'll see now knowing that uh, uh you haven't played since like seventh grade so what's the last did you play ncaa football I guess I should have prepped this ahead of time, but did you play the game? Yeah, I played growing up, and then um, 
And I think, okay, admittedly, I think in college, me and my teammates would play some. So, yes, sure. maybe it was in the dorm room we played some, yes. Okay, so the question I was going to ask, because yeah. I actually wrote an entire article on this uh, about favorite conference USA players you never saw in the game. And, and and you know, we did a couple things at Underdog Dynasty about your favorite players to use. But uh, the question I was going to ask you was, yeah. who was your favorite player to use in the game from all of the years? And while I, I'm not putting on the spot, so I will go first and just give you a handful of guys. Okay. Vince Young from your Texas years. I mean, yeah. talk about a dual threat. Any great dual threat quarterback yeah. on NCAA football was phenomenal. So, yeah. VY, Reggie Bush, okay. the SD years was unstoppable. And then also, I'm going to, if, if you wanted to run the triple option or your, or your flex bone or wishbone, yeah. I'm not saying that this is what they ran. I'm just saying this is what you would do with this player. Pat mm-hmm. White. Pat oh. White of West Virginia was, uh, you know, unstoppable. Yeah. So you you de- right off the bat, I said Vince Young and Pat White. So you took two. You took definitely two of two my of your guys. Okay, but also uh, Tyrod Taylor. I remember playing with um, from Vodtech, and then because uh, I'm a Houston guy, Case Case Keenum. You know they had that. That was such a fun. Yeah, offense. yeah. And they had good receivers. You know they had Patrick Edwards to throw to, and man, that was fun. Uh, so those are my those are my four that come off the top of my head, and then of course the players you make, you know, you, you make yourself like ninety nine, and you. you know, <laughs> so <laughs> the last thing I'll say about this is I used to do this, and this is a confession that hopefully none of my boys are listening. Is uh, you know we'd go through and we name the rosters, right? Like you go through and you know yeah, I, I, at least we would go through and um and find all the rosters and name the guys. So you had the actual names, right? Instead of QB eleven or whatever, right? And um. <laughs> confession here i used to go through and add like a secret recruit right so i i'd be like yo there's this guy you haven't heard of he just got signed to miami and it would be you know i'd make him like an 84 85 but his speed would be like a 99 and just breeze past everybody and uh it would be someone i'd completely made up (laughs) i'd be like sharon moss he's randy's little brother you haven't heard of him (laughs) yeah i can just that sounds like you, Eric. You know, I'm not surprised knowing that. That sounds like <laughs> whatever, whatever it takes to win, man. Whatever it takes oh, to win. Without, without further ado, you know, hopefully you guys uh, uh, enjoy our fun banter at the top of the podcast. And if you don't, you can send the hate mail to me, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll cut it. <laughs> um, the the QBs that we are going to be talking about today. Uh, let's go ahead and start. Uh, well, first thing we'll do, Steve, and I think you and I both are on the same page here, is let's start with a few of the guys that we've talked about previously who now have found homes. Yeah. Uh, out of the three that we've mentioned, and I'll let you go and introduce them. Uh, who you want to start with first? Let's go with uh, let's go with McLeod. Let's go with Jordan McLeod, just because I think that news happened first out of these three. Am I, am I right? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yes. 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 Jordan McLeod, the former South Florida quarterback, is headed to the desert and into yeah. Tucson to play as an Arizona Wildcat. And, you know, your notes mentioned the three quarterbacks in the portal. I'll let you get into that. Yeah. I guess the question I have for you, based on the way we kind of talked about Jordan McLeod, was, and I know this is what I said to you pre-show, whether or not you want to consider Arizona a blue blood power five school, that's up for debate, right? Mm-hmm. But not only do you have to consider it an upward trajectory type of move in just the fact that he's going from the American to the Pac-12, South Florida hasn't been very good the past few years. So you definitely think you're taking a, a step up going from South Florida to Arizona, no matter the fact that Arizona may or may not be, you know, that cream of the crop power five, but still. So I'll let you take it away from there and, uh, and your thoughts. Yeah, so I think from like from Jordan McLeod's perspective, this is a pretty big deal. I think it also probably says a lot from 
his potential to develop. So you, you can, you know, uh, I think it was maybe two uh, episodes ago, we, we spent time on McLeod. So anyone that wants to kind of like dive into the weeds of what we think about McLeod and kind of the, the film breakdown, uh, it was two episodes ago, you can find that. But I think the interesting thing for me is because Arizona has had at least two quarterbacks off the top of my head that I can remember enter the transfer portal. Like Grant Gannell going to Memphis, and then I think Rhett Rodriguez, who is going to uh, UL Monroe, I believe. Uh, but regardless, they have two guys into the portal, and including McLeod, they are they have three guys, three quarterbacks from the portal that are committed there, and that's not even including any high school guys they have. So regardless, it's going to be an open competition. Uh, so I think if you're McLeod, you feel pretty good, and you feel at least like you got a shot to go and win that job. Going from USF to Arizona is a step up. And so like like we said in, in the podcast we talked about, he does have potential and some tools, so if they can develop and get that out of them and get that out of him, excuse me, uh, then, then you know he could potentially win that job at, at Arizona. Steve, really quick, I want to ask you this just level competition. You know, this is a big thing for me, right? I think whenever you talk about players transferring, but especially quarterbacks, level of competition, not necessarily that guys can't step up and, you know, rise to the, to the level that they're playing at, but um, how do you feel? And in the Pac-12, not necessarily the most, uh, not a league known for defense <laughs> per se, yeah. but um, the American going from the American to Pac-12, uh, just, you know, thoughts on that at all? Yeah, I think uh, obviously, obviously, you know, the, the Pac-12 is, you know, the kids are the a power five and, you know, they, they do have their they're up a level uh, talent wise. But, um, you know, and the clouds going from, you know, one of the worst teams, American. So I think there is a big jump, but I think at least he's surrounded he's surrounded around uh, more talent as well, which in, in theory will hopefully uh, help elevate his game and maybe not have that big of a reach or that big of a step for him. Next guy up on our list is James Blackman, the former Florida State quarterback heading to the Sun Belt and Arkansas State. Uh, I know you said you like this one a lot, but hey, it's more competition for Lane Hatcher, a guy we talked about on the podcast. So your thoughts? Yeah, I'm looking at it from like Lane Hatcher's point of view. You know, he is Sun Belt, like either offensive player of the year or freshman offensive player of the year or co-freshman player of the year a few years ago. And then he splits time with Bonner last year and then um, – and now he's going to be in competition with James Blackman, who, again, someone we talked about a few shows ago. So please go back and check that out if you want more uh, kind of in the details and, and kind of uh, into the weeds of Blackman's, uh, you know, potential and, and, and talent. But I think it's big because, you know, he's going to, to Butch Jones, uh, a, a new staff at Arkansas State. Uh, you know, it's, it's just a fresh start, not just for that staff, but a fresh start for Blackman, too. So uh, it's, it's a win-win for Arkansas State. They got Hatcher. They got James Blackman. We know James Blackman's talented. And like we talked about in the last pod, he just needs someone around him to, you know, develop those tools and from a mental standpoint, you know, give him that confidence that he really needs. And hopefully Arkansas State is the, the school that does that for him. But like I said, I think it's a win-win for Arkansas State. And, you know, we can talk about the competition we get a little, little later on the offseason, but I will say I was surprised just because now, of course, new coach, it's not Blake Anderson. That probably makes a difference. But, Steve, uh, take as long as or, or short as you want on this. At a certain point in time, the quarterback has to be the guy, right? Now, I'm not saying if you haven't earned that, that competition isn't warranted, but we're now going on. This will be year two of, you know, you play the entire last year going back and forth, back and forth. In the first season, he took over for Logan Bonner because of an injury. And then now new coach, new, you know, system competition again. 
your thoughts. This one you hear as a quarterback. I'm not even going to try to lead you. Just your thoughts yeah. when you hear that. I think you definitely. So you know, even though it's a new staff, if they go in with a two system quarterback, that's you know tears in a row, back and forth, back and forth. I think you definitely want to have a guy, quote unquote, a guy before the start of the season that you're going to you know ride with and roll with, and then if you need to make a change, you can make a change. Here's another thing that that's kind of telling in, in my mind. Is so Butch Jones, you know, was at Alabama the few years of the past few years, and Lane Hatcher started at Alabama. So Butch Jones had at least some uh, familiarity uh, with with uh, with Lane Hatcher. So you can kind of take that for what it's worth. Um, I'm assuming Jones, you know, knows his talent level, the limitation, what he's able to do, what he's not able to do, and so I'm sure he has an idea of how you can use Hatcher. But he's also seen you know, Blackman the past few years, and you know any coach, you know he's starting brand new, so any coach is going to want to have as much competition as possible in a good way. And, and so I think that's probably where they are from a coaching staff point. But that I think at the same time, they're probably want they, they probably saw the two system quarterback, uh, the two quarterback system work last year. Uh, apologize, and they saw it had these good times, but a lot of times it had some down times too. It's hard to get in rhythm. So I think they probably. Uh, well, we definitely want to have a, a quote-unquote guy before the season starts so they can ride with uh, at least at least at the beginning of the year and not go back and forth, back and forth. I will leave my opinions to myself. You come here for Steve's knowledge of quarterbacks, not mine. So the next quarterback we'll talk about after that, uh, favorite ours, Asher O'Hara, heading to the West Coast in Sacramento, Sacramento State. Excuse me. Self-admittedly, both you and I have not been able to watch much Sac mm-hmm. State Hornet football. Despite that fact that one of us got a little bit of interest coming out of high school from Sacramento State, I'll, I'll let you uh, decipher who that was between the two of us. Uh, Steve, your thoughts on uh, that move? Yeah, it was kind of like you know me and Eric were texting, and, uh, and one we think it's you know it's, it's a great spot, and hopefully he goes there and just tears it up. I think he will, but it's kind of like bittersweet. You know, you're happy for him because he's found a good spot, but also you know we'll, we'll miss. You know, admittedly we probably won't watch much Sacramento State you know, football just because others stuff we have going on so you know we'll miss watching him and he uh he's one of the more exciting players in, in, in CUSA and just in college football in general so I'm sure we'll keep our eye on him and, and and things but we'll definitely you know miss uh miss having having him you know kind of up front and center uh, if you will I know Eric probably feel, feels the same way as I do oh most definitely but you know you can't one of the fun things about this aspect is get a chance to play with his brother you know, yeah. you saw that, that he, both he and his brother got a chance to. So you can't be mad at that, right? Get a chance to play with your brother at the collegiate level, and, and that's uh, pretty awesome. So the guys that we will talk about who are still, uh, or the, the, the focus, I should say, the focus of this week's episode, let's start with a name we mentioned before, Logan Bonner. Arkansas State to Utah State, no surprise. Mm. And to follow Blake Anderson, definitely want to hear your thoughts on that. Um, I, I will say this before I pass it to you. Can't be that I can't say that I'm too surprised based on the fact he's following Blake Anderson, but also it all ways kind of felt like Logan Bonner was fighting to be the guy, and he had a hell of a 2018 you know season when he was healthy, right? Before he, I believe, broke the thumb, yes. And uh, you know, I had a chance to cover Arkansas State's bowl game, the Camellia Bowl against FIU that year. Lane Hatcher started, it always felt like the, the tide was kind of pushing in Lane Hatcher's way, and this year, of course, they split, so he gets a chance to head out to. Utah State, and maybe you know he can uh, take over and beat the guy. But I will let you take it away from there as far as your thoughts. Yeah, so I think obviously for everyone that's listening to this podcast, they've heard, they've heard us talk about you know Logan Bonner and Lane Hatcher the, the whole season essentially. So they probably have a pretty decent idea of you know Logan Logan Bonner's talent level and what he brings. Uh, for those who don't, for any you know Utah State fans that are tuning in or just listening now, um, 
I think there's a few reasons why this, I think this is another win-win for Utah State, just let me say first and foremost, because they do have Andrew Peasley, who did do some nice things last year after taking over for Jason Shelley. So I think regardless who wins that competition, I think the quarterback position is in a good situation. Now let's get back to this Bonner. So before he started in 2019, I believe, right? Yeah, 2019, before he started and got hurt, he was the backup to Justin Hansen for a few years, who was Sunbelt Offensive Player of the Year. Uh, so he was able to see Justice Hansen and, and see how the offense was supposed to be ran and ran efficiently. Bonner gets his chance, and he, he runs it officially, gets injured, and comes back in 2020 and is playing off and on, off and on. But in that playing time, he still put up very good numbers. He still had a, a touchdown-to-interception ratio of better than 3-1. to one. And the fact he does bring in a lot of experience to uh, Utah State, and not to mention the fact that, like Eric said, he's been with Blake Anderson, so he knows that offense. Uh, he can push the ball downfield. Uh, he, he, whenever he is on, whenever he is confident, uh, he makes quick decisions. He lets it rip, and that's when he's really at his best. Uh, and he's a good enough athlete to run that kind of RPO a scheme that Blake Anderson has, has ran. And also something that, you know, Eric can touch on more here, just being a, a UCF alum, they uh, they brought on UCF's uh, former co-OC at Utah State now. And so if you combine, you know, the, the, the UCF ties with Anderson's offense, you're probably going to see a fast offense who is aiming to put defenses in bad positions and, you know, using that RPO to set up some explosive plays downfield. Now, I don't know if Utah State has the receivers that Arkansas State had, uh, but I still uh, imagine them push the ball downfield and kind of just trying to create matchups. And, and that's going to be in Logan Bonner's favor because he's been in that system with Blake Anderson. Steve, I'm going to put you on the spot here. And once again, I apologize for not prepping on this one ahead of time. It's just been a thought on my head, on my mind. Why do you think he was never really able to separate himself from Logan Bonner? And, and we know, once again, 2018, if memory serves me correct, was the year because that, that was the, the final year that FIU's qualified for a bowl game. Wait, 20, 2019, sorry. Uh, geez, the, the years are running together. 2019 year, uh, he broke his thumb. So that was why, you know, Lane Hatcher played, but 2020, he split time. Why do you think he was never able to kind of separate himself from Lane Hatcher? <clears throat> yeah, so I think he he didn't have the ability to get in a rhythm. So, you know, in a quarterback, say if you have a few bad series, sometimes it just takes one good series to get you out of that funk, if you will. And it's kind of hard when you're going in and out, in and out, and out the entire time and not to mention let's give you know Lane Hatcher some credit too he's a pretty darn good quarterback in his own in his own right you know he was the freshman uh freshman or co-freshman player of the year in the Sun Belt in 2019 so um so it wasn't like he was you know going up against against uh uh like bad competition so to speak so I think it has it's two things uh kept getting switched back and forth and Hatcher is a good quarterback that just made it tough on the coaches to you know to decipher which one is better now Looking back, hindsight 2020, do they do I think they should have gone with someone? Do they think they should have gone with someone? Probably. Um, but but to get back to, to the question, I, I do think you know Hatcher was a good quarterback and he just kept he didn't have a chance to uh, get out of a bad rhythm. If he was in a bad rhythm, he didn't have a chance to pick himself up, if you will. Next guy who I want to talk about, and I, I you know, we both have kind of found this situation uh, pretty intriguing, especially for SMU. If you've seen SMU offense over the past few years, definitely a high-powered, you know, offense can put up a lot of points. It's Tanner Mordecai. Yeah. What are your thoughts on him, especially going from Oklahoma, not too far, making the the, uh, the transition down there to Dallas, Lone Star State, yeah. four-star kid come out of high school. Just your thoughts on how he may fit in that offense, because as we both know, you know, not necessarily a ton of film on him because he hasn't played much, but just – what he may be able to project at the uh, the level, uh, excuse me, at SMU at the American. Yeah, and real quick, Eric, before I dive into that, uh, yeah, yeah. 
you know, I was just kind of thinking about uh, uh, AAC quarterbacks in general. And, you know, the past few years, there have been like some just like, it's been pretty top heavy. And now it seems like there's some turnover coming, right? Bichelle's leaving. Anthony Russo from Temple's leaving. Brady White from Memphis is leaving. It's like the only like mainstay is, you know, Dylan Gabriel. And so um, <clears throat> as far as like the top quarterbacks in the league the past few years. So I think this is. I'm going to pause you right there really quick. Can you, you good? Yes, yes. What I think is interesting, because I, I don't want to, you know, uh, pause you as far as like or make you lose your train of thought, but that's an interesting point you raise and that we saw a lot of that with Conference USA this year. Yeah. And you had last year, too, James Morgan, um, Jamar Smith, La Tech. You had a bunch Mason Fine. You had that era of Conference USA quarterbacks transition right. out, and then you saw it was a bit of a struggle this year. So I think it's I, I, I didn't want to break your train of thought, but I thought it's an no, interesting no. point you raised there. Because, yeah. Go ahead, Steve. No, no, I'm glad you did. Before I get into Mordecai, I'm actually going to stand that subject real quick because you just got yeah, me. Yeah. It was like, so, you know, all those, so SMU, Temple, Memphis, those schools just lost their, you know, their their quarterback, whether it's to transfer, you know, going to, to attempt to play at the NFL level. And so Memphis brings in a, a quarterback from the transfer portal. SMU brings in a quarterback from the transfer portal. Temple has brought in a quarterback from the transfer, from the transfer portal. So it's just interesting how, you know, they're going, like we've talked about in the show before, they're going to the transfer portal to bring those those quarterbacks in. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see how the, the uh, you know, American uh, quarterback play as a whole responds. And like Eric said, the CUSA was down a bit uh, for the simple fact there's a lot of turnover. Um, but oh, sorry, you had some something else, Eric, before I jump in. No, we're gonna go. Uh, we're gonna take it back to the uh, the and one day, circa like 2002. That's really a little freestyle, really quick. Before you get to Mordecai, yeah. Um, yeah. One last thing on that point, right? Do you put you this way? Uh, my question for you is this: What impact do you think the pandemic may have had on the fact that <laughs> you didn't get a, a ton of great quarterback play in CUSA? And as you saw, as a result, it was wide open conferences here, right? You know, can we kind of project that maybe into the American? Now, of course, you would hope that all these kids that are transferring are going to get a full spring. But what impact could, you know, if, if for whatever reason we don't get that full spring mm-hmm. as usual, a lot of these transfer quarterbacks, you see it was a, a freshman like Grant Wells at, at, uh, at Marshall that stepped up, right, and was the best player. And just, you know, kind of curious, you know, we'll do a little freestyle, your thoughts on how that could play a factor. Because really, as we know, quarterback play, most important position on the field, it can throw the entire league out of, out of whack. And really, whoever has that top signal caller for the most point in time or the, the longest duration throughout the year could run away with it. Yeah, I think that's, a, that's an interesting point. And going off the top of, off the top of my head, yeah, uh, I, the reason why I don't think we'll see the drop-off uh, and the American, like we saw for the CUSA with the transfers uh, or with the people kind of graduating and, and moving on is this, the quarterbacks that are going to the American this year are more highly rated and just more talented in general than the transfers were in the past. Does that make sense? Sure. Have Absolutely. Absolutely. The Wayne Mathis from Georgia going to Temple. And then we have, you know, four-star Tanner Mordecai at SMU and, and Grant Gannell, who is almost a four-star going to Memphis, as opposed to, you know, last the, the past few years in uh, CUSA, they didn't have those big-time recruits transferring. Does that make sense? I see. That's why we freestyle here, because I want to get your answer on that. So without further ado, Tanner Mordecai, have at it. That, that was a good comment. But yeah, so, so Mordecai, like, like Eric said, and like the next quarterback we'll talk about, there's really not much film on Mordecai. But the film we do have and, you know, what you see from – 
uh, from some, you know, Reef High School is, you know, he, he is a little bit bigger than Shane Bouchelle, who was a quarterback last year. He's got a little stronger arm. I think he will fit in uh, the offense smoothly just because he has similar skill sets to Bouchelle. He can run a little bit, uh, enough athleticism to, you know, make a make the defense of, make the defense pay if need to or scramble to buy time if need to. But he's going to be able to push the ball down for a bit more. Now, the biggest thing comes into question is his accuracy because Bouchelle is very accurate and, you know, can Mordecai be as accurate as Bouchelle was? Uh, another thing that stuck out to me was, you know, yes, he didn't win the starting job the past few years at OU. He was a big four-star recruit, but it wasn't like he was a back. He wasn't like he was backing up, you know, any schmucks either, right? Backing up Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, first and second round picks, and, and then you know, Spencer Rattler, who was looking to probably be that same category first or second round pick in a, in a year or two. So. I think it's telling that, you know, he lost out to some of the best quarterbacks in the nation. And he and he also did get some playing time in the, the game against Texas. Spencer Rattler was actually was actually benched briefly and Mordecai came in actually pretty good in that action. So the fact that they felt comfortable to put him in a big game like against Texas uh, kind of you know speaks a lot as well to, to what they think of him. So I think he's gonna go in and fit fit with SMU scheme awesome and, and perfectly. And um, you know, I'm always a little a little bit more on the optimistic side, but even without the the film that we necessarily have to back up what I'm saying, I do think, you know, halfway through the year, people can be like, wow, Mordecai at SMU is tearing it up. Like he's one of the top, you know, two or three quarterbacks in, in the AAC. So uh, definitely, definitely looking forward to this pickup for SMU. Steve, I'm going to put you on the spot here. If you are a college football coach, not necessarily maybe a head coach, but let's say you're an RC, you're a recruiting coordinator, you're a quarterback coach, you're an offensive coordinator. <clears throat> Excuse me. What can you see on film from high school yeah. that can give you some of those same things that you're looking for maybe in, in a college system? Essentially, is it similar to when you're recruiting a guy to high school? Is that the, the kind of approach that you're taking? Or is there anything different that goes into it when you're taking a guy who performed at high school? For what reason, whatever reason or another, as you said, wasn't like he was behind you know quarterbacks that weren't successful at right. OU. And you're trying to project how he may fit into your system and what he may do at your school. Yeah, so I think I think each case is you know different. Right? Each case you know built individually. With Mordecai's case, I think coaches realized that he was behind such top talent, and it wasn't like he lost out because you know some no name beat him out. Um, but to go back to your original point, I think when you're recruiting, you know, from high school film, you are looking a lot of times at like projectability, right? How, can he be developed? Can, can it, does he have tools that, you know, in a year or two or three, he'll be able to be developed, you know, all those five-star kids are already at that point. Um, and so a kid like Mordecai, who was, you know, pushing a five-star, you know, he was already ha was in that developmental, you know, uh, you know, transition, if you will, going into college. And so I think the fact that you kind of paired that and you pair the ability to uh, see if his style fits, you know, the offense running and, you know, they're, they're able to go back and watch some high school film. I'm sure, you know, they're, they're probably not just going off of the spring clips or the, you know, the, the clips against, uh, you know, in garbage time. So I think they pair everything. And then, you know, as long as he's that offensive fit, uh, I, I think that they kind of, uh, make make the best um, assumption, if you will, that you know he's going to be able he's going to be someone that can fit in this off in this excuse me in this offense as well. So to kind of wrap that long winded answer up, I think projectability and the tools to develop in a college offense in a college system is probably the biggest things that those coordinators are looking at from high school and the transfer portal. Again, I'm putting you on the spot here. So if you don't have a good enough answer or like one that you feel sufficient, no worries. 
in you know your, your guy you're an insider steve you know I, i'm i'm just a i'm just a regular old journalist you're an insider you know <laughs> um <laughs> when when you do have and i'm not asking you and all jokes aside i'm not asking you to divulge the names or any, any off the record comments but just if you can you kind of summarize in the conversations you have with certain college coaches and just kind of yeah. their thoughts on the question i just asked when they have to kind of project a guy you know maybe yeah. some things that they like just what are some of the common threads common themes that you hear when coaches are like hey this is what we like about a guy or this yeah. is what we think can work in our our school and our system right that's a good that's that's a good question and and first off most of these guys like when, I, when i'm talking film with some college coaches or some ocs or quarterback coaches you know they always want to emphasize that you know they can't make a full read until they see the kid throw in person which i think is fair um, and so when they're watching film, they're not necessarily looking for arm strength, you know, as long as it's decent enough, they can make that eval in person, but accuracy is the thing that kind of jumps off number one. And, and you've, you know, we've, any quarterback fan, uh, has heard Mike Leach, I believe is Mike Leach talk about, you know, you can't teach accuracy. You know, if you're accurate in college, you're probably gonna be accurate in the pros. And while that's true to, and I believe that's true in most, you know, situations and most events. So I think accuracy, um, is probably the number one tool that, you know, if a kid has it and they can really be developed, if a kid's all over the place and, you know, uh, it might be a bit tougher uh, to develop that. But that's, that's a good, interesting question. And now you got me thinking that, you know, I might want to go back and look through some of my messages and <laughs> the stuff I have just to see, you know, kind of what they they are looking for and the questions they ask. But uh, the big, the big things that they ask is, you know, accuracy and does he have the grades, right? Which is, you know, uh, numero uno. So, <laughs> no, it's just something I figured I'd throw at you once again. We got a little bit of time here in this pod, so we got to throw that question out at you. Let's get to our final quarterback. It's going to be Ty Evans, who's heading from North Carolina State to Texas State. As you mentioned in your notes, he's a high three star kid at that 88 grade, according to 247 Sports. So, have at it, Steve. What do you got? So, I think Ty Evans is someone that fits the category what we just talked about. Uh, a few seconds or a few minutes ago uh, about the, you know, what do recruiting coordinators look for? So he was a very good, high, a good high school recruit. Uh, I think he was originally committed to Colorado before going to NC state. And he showed, uh, I, I think one of the reasons why, you know, he, he was still coveted is he showed in high school, the potential to develop. He had a good arm, uh, quick release was good outside the pocket. And so he showed tools to develop. And for whatever reason, when, when he got to NC State, you know, he's behind Bailey Hawkman and, and Devin Leary. And so wasn't able to crack <clears throat> the starting lineup. So we don't have any film from him from a, a film for him from from college. I'm sure there's a spring game out there of him somewhere I'd imagine. But, uh, you know, I, I didn't watch any film from, from from college. So this is just going off his high school film. So I do think he has tools to develop. But here's why I think this is interesting. Because Texas State, you know, they have Brady Brady McBride, who was a guy we've talked about a lot in the podcast this this, uh, this past season. Uh, we both liked him. We liked the potential that he showed, especially down, you know, down the stretch towards the end of the season. Had some really stellar games where he took the steps. He took steps, was, you know, quicker, a quick decision maker, uh, didn't hold the ball uh, quite as long, and kind of just trusted his instinct more than trying to run around and make a play. So, I like McBride, but I think it's interesting that they bring Ty Evans in because he is he, he does have tools to develop. So, again, like I've talked about some of these other transfers, uh, these, these quarterback competitions uh, due to the transfer portal, I think it's a win-win for Texas State because, it, one, it adds depth at the most important position, and, two, solid competition is always good. So, regardless if McBride holds on and wins or if Ty Evans, you know, 
comes in and he gets number, the number one the number one job, I think that Texas State is in a win-win situation. But Evans in general has the tools to develop, and now you know he's going to a place where uh, you know he's hopefully going to be able to develop those tools. Steve, have there been any moves throughout the offseason that have surprised you? Just genuinely, not in a necessarily good or bad way, just you know your eyebrows kind of raised when you saw that move. I was a bit surprised with this one, honestly. I mean, I, I, I don't think – so their, their backup quarterback, Texas State, Tyler Vitt, he, you know, he, he's a good ball player in his own right. He had some good games this year. Uh, and so if, assuming he's still there, and uh, admittedly I don't know if he's – I don't think he's in the portal last time I checked. So that gives you some solid options uh, at the quarterback position. Uh, so that was a bit surprising. Man, now i got to think up top of my head. Uh, Memphis has two guys. That was kind of surprising to get two. But, like – and then, oh, Louisiana, like we talked off air last, last week, how they had um, Lance – what? how do you pronounce his last name, Eric? Lance, Lance Lejean. Lance Lejean, thank you. Yes, they had him. And then they also got in a guy from Fre- a Fresno State transfer too. So that was surprising. Uh, but, you know, you brought up a good, uh, you brought up a, a good point uh, that, you know, sometimes with the day and age now you have quarterbacks leaving, you know, transfer – you have a quarterback in the transfer portal. So now as opposed to bringing one in, you're bringing in two – um i'll think a bit more do you have any off the top of your head that has surprised you i think the blackman move did surprise me a little bit just because of the fact that and once again new coaching staff but that's been a situation where it's been multiple quarterbacks for seemingly a few years now for that's one that definitely surprised me Uh, off the top of my head i can't really think of any others just because of the fact that steve to be honest and this is something that i'm curious of I don't know how to feel about the multiple quarterbacks going to different schools, you know, or yeah. the same schools, I, I should say, you know, so maybe the situation like you mentioned with Louisiana having multiple quarterbacks come in. I think if you don't have a guy, right, that you feel comfortable in, I can understand if you're, and, and, and I want to run this by you. Yeah. I wrote a piece a few years ago about essentially the impending free agency in college football, right? Mm-hmm. No one could have predicted, a, excuse me, no one could have predicted a pandemic but this is essentially what you have, right? And if we take our college goggles off, we put our pro goggles on, any team that doesn't have a quarterback, whether it's through the draft a guy, they draft a guy and bring in a veteran, or sometimes they bring in multiple veterans and have them compete, right? Same concept here. But I think, obviously, the factor, the variable that you can't account for is you only got so many years to play in college. Yeah. Now, with the fact that this year doesn't accrue to your eligibility, that's why I think, this year, especially, you're going to see teams bringing in two and three guys. And I can understand, like, a situation at UofL where uh, – or ULL, I should say, the, that uh, you have multiple guys going in there. So that's been kind of eye-raising as well. So I, I just trying to figure out what to make of that, if that makes sense. Yeah, you know? yeah. I, that's, that's the same way because uh, the, the stay on Louisiana – because they have a guy – they have Levi Lewis. They have a, a sure. step back. So, you know, and, and they're bringing in two. So that that is surprising. Let me ask you this, Eric, without yeah. you diving into too much – uh you know uh knowledge you can't give away or can't share no, is, go for it. is is fiu going to bring in a uh a, a transfer quarterback if you're asking me personally I, yeah. I think they will i would be surprised if they if they don't now with that being said butch davis and uh, offense corner Tim Harris Jr. They've been very high in admin on the fact that Max Bortenschlager probably didn't get the most of a of a legitimate chance to you know go in there and not necessarily win the job because he was the opening day starter. Although they hadn't declared a QB one as we saw three quarterbacks that game and. 
throughout the year. But as I mentioned, with the pandemic and FIU had a situation where, quite frankly, South Florida still struggling with the pandemic. So, you know, it, it wasn't like most schools in most situations where at least uh, I shouldn't say most. Let me retract that. They weren't able to get really a practice, you know, string of practices going. Right. And right. that their coaching staff has been adamant that, that really limited Max Bordenschlager's ability to go out there and get the job done. Right. So maybe maybe I would be surprised just because I think not necessarily that Max can or can't be the guy. But as you've mentioned, Steve, what's the current number of quarterbacks in the portal? <laughs> if it's the portal? One, one twenty-four this morning, according to 24th. Okay. Yep. When you got a, that many guys in there, I think that's the reason why I'd be surprised, just that you can take a quote-unquote flyer yeah. on one. But at the same point in time, I could see a situation where they say, hey, we think we got our transfer portal guy who we feel confident who's had a year in our system, yeah. knows our system, and we want to get a full offseason and give him a fair shot in addition to, you know, a young player, but that's the best way I can answer that question. So I don't think I'm divulging anything that I haven't written or, or, you know, right. talk about. Okay. Um, so, so we'll see what happens as far as that goes. Yeah, that's, that's fair. I was just curious. I've actually been really curious about that. Cause I, and I like, uh, I know we're not going to, I know tomorrow's a signed day, but we haven't talked too much recruiting. It's the simple, I mean, it's crazy. Last year we had a big show about, uh, you know, sign <laughs> this year it's just transfer portal. It's like, oh, sign day, cool. Okay, back to the transfer portal. But, back to the transfer portal. Yeah, but FIU is getting a pretty uh, solid quarterback uh, signee from from the great state of Texas. I'm pumped for him. He he might start as a true freshman, Eric. He might win every award FIU's ever had. So you better watch out. Oh, Texas kid coming that way. Yeah, I'll I'll let that uh, I'll let the FIU fans deal with that one as far as him coming in there and uh, resetting the record book there. But you know, you know, Steve, and you know, it's funny you mentioned that. We'll we'll have to go in and, and do a look, quick look at some of the quarterbacks at the G five level who are coming in, and we do want to show love to the high school recruits as well. The transfer portal is really throwing things out of whack, yeah. so we will try to adjust on the fly as well. But with that, thank you all for listening. As I said, if you're just discovering us, thank you for finding us, Steve. Where can you find this podcast? So, as, as always, our, our good friends over at NFLDraftDiamond.com, they do uh, an awesome job with promoting kids at lower-level schools who, you know, are good enough and deserve a chance. And they write articles and put out podcasts and videos, they do a really good job. So, they always put our, our podcast out. So, you can find them at www.NFLDraftDiamonds.com and on Twitter at DraftDiamonds. Uh, also, if anyone out there is listening and they feel inspired by Eric on 17 different podcasts, then – they want to make their own podcast. Uh, you know, we use Podbean. They do a great job, and they, they take care of all our services, and they, they host us. So I'll put down some links to the Podbean as well in the description if anyone is interested in, you know, seeing if Eric wants to wants to join the podcast and, you know, t- take over. And it'll be his 20th podcast, but, uh, you know, I think he can do it. So, uh, again, we thank, thank them for hosting us. Thank Draft Diamonds for, you know, putting us out there and uh, helps us grow. Steve, you are a regular pitch man. Uh, one more thing. You want to go ahead and promote the fact that we're working on the YouTube page. Yes. And so the uh, – I don't don't quote me yet, but I do think by the next time this podcast is out, we'll have a YouTube video, and I believe probably this podcast will be in YouTube form as well. Uh, at least that's the goal. That's the plan. That's kind of the direction we're heading. So we got some cool content. It's, the YouTube will have – you know, we're still going to emphasize group of five quarterbacks and any quarterbacks overlooked, but we will kind of be expanding to – all college quarterbacks in general and just uh, covering any quarterback topics, any breakdowns and just kind of all things quarterback content uh, related will be on the YouTube page. But this podcast is not going anywhere. Don't worry. We'll be here. 
if you would like to keep up with Steve's growing family, his budding empire down there in the great state of Texas, you can find Steve on Twitter at S-T-E-V-E-N, Hamner, H-A-M-N-E-R. If you want to find me on Twitter, you can find me at Eric C. Henry underscore. You can find QB Spotlight on Twitter at QB Spotlight. I want to thank you all for listening sincerely. The only way this podcast can grow is through your feedback, your support, your reviews, and we appreciate all of it, good, bad, or indifferent. Thank you for listening. Happy football watching. Hope your uh, respective program of choice does well on National Signing Day, and we will be back next week to recap it all. Thank you for listening, everybody.